Welcome to Living Truth Radio, a ministry of Living Truth Christian Fellowship with Pastor Michael Lance. It's our goal to build up believers and to reach out with God's truth to all people. And now, here's Pastor Michael. Genesis 41. We're going to see Joseph's dreams come true tonight, at least in part. And as we look at his dreams and we look at how God is weaving a tapestry together, I think there's a lot of application for our lives tonight, wherever you may find yourself tonight in terms of just looking at life's circumstances and the ups and downs of life. We know that at age 17, Joseph uh, was sold into slavery. And the time that he stands before Pharaoh, he's 30 years old. So you have 13 years in there. And, you know, from 17 to 30, we'd probably say that those are the best years of our lives in terms of our health, our physical capabilities, and all of that kind of stuff. It's, it's usually when we actually chart a course for life. Most of the time, you finish up high school 17, 18, you go off to college, or you get some career training, and, and you kind of catapult into life, and you begin to, you know, hit your prime somewhere in there. And uh, Joseph spent a lot of that time in prison, a lot of that time in, you know, situations that were not the best, but he had been given a couple of dreams by God, and these dreams were always in his heart, and they seemed to be something that he always held on to. And when I say Joseph's dreams, I'm not talking about our dreams. Like when people say to you, just dream big dreams, Johnny. You'll play for the Lakers one day, and Johnny's four foot nine. Probably not going to happen. But the dreams that were put in, in Joseph's heart were dreams from God. They were directly from, from God. And I would just say, just from a big picture standpoint, if you line up your dreams with God dream, God's dreams, or if your dreams are God's dreams for your life, they will come to pass. If you line up your vision for your life with God's vision, if his will becomes your will, then you will get your will, if it's his will. Amen? So one of the keys to life is to understand what God's will is and walk in it because then you'll know that it's going to come to pass. Now let's go ahead and pray. Father, we just are so grateful for the Bible. It's alive. It's powerful. It's sharp. It's encouraging. It illuminates. There's so many things that we have tonight as we uh, sit before our Bibles. And Lord, we, when we sit before our Bibles, it's, a, it's as if we're sitting at your feet because we know you have spoken this is your word, and we're not to mess with it. We're not to add or take away from it. We're to preach it. Second Timothy 2 says we're to preach it straight. We're to preach it true, and it will be an encouragement for the church, and, and I pray that it will do just that tonight. Draw us ever closer to you. Increase our faith tonight. Do what you want to do in each life, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. In the Song of Ascents, Psalm 126, when the Lord brought back the, captives, uh, the captive ones of Zion, they said these words, Psalm 126, verse 1, it says, We were like those who dream. Then our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongue with joyful shouting. Then they said among the nations, The Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us, and we are glad. Well, I think Joseph at some point in his life could look back, and I think it was probably at the point when he stood before the Pharaoh and he was riding in the second chariot and become 
the prime minister or the viceroy of Egypt that he could probably mouth the words of Psalm 126. It's like I'm in a dream. It's like all of a sudden I've gone from the pit to the pinnacle, from the prison to the palace, however you would best say it. I think he could say it's like I'm in a dream, or maybe he could say it's like I'm in my dream. Because his original dream was that his family members would bow down to him. And he had had those dreams, and he had shared those dreams, and God was weaving together a tapestry, and he went 13 years of difficulty, slavery, false imprisonment, you name it, to this time when he's going to be elevated into the palace. And when he looked back, I'm sure he had to have a couple of moments like, wow, is this really real? Is this really happening to me? This is the account that's found in Psalm, excuse me, not Psalm, but Genesis 41. Genesis 41. So let's pick it up. Genesis 41, and we pick it up in verse 1. Genesis 41, verse 1. Now it happened at the end of two full years that Pharaoh had a dream, and behold, he was standing by the Nile. If you look back for a second in uh, chapter 40, you look at verse 21. It says, he restored the chief cupbearer to his office and put the cup into the Pharaoh's hand. But he hanged the chief baker just as Joseph had interpreted them. Yet the chief cupbearer did not remember Joseph but forgot him. Then just keep reading. No, No chapter breaks in your original Bible. Now it happened at the end of two full years. What's the end of two full years pointing to? Well, the time that the chief cupbearer was restored back to his office. And two full years went by, and he had forgotten about Joseph. Remember, at the end of last message, we were talking about the fact that the chief cupbearer would probably excitedly said, Joseph, I'll never forget you, bro. You've been so great to me. As soon as I get up there, no doubt about it, I will let the big guy know what a fabulous dude you are. But then two full years went by, and he waited, and he waited, and he waited some more. But at the end of those two full years, once again, there is a dream that occurs, and now it's going to be Pharaoh having a dream. In the book of Genesis, in the life of Joseph, and we've mentioned the the book of Daniel, and in his life, dreams play a prominent role Someone has categorized dreams as, quote, projections of subconscious fears or desires. Sometimes you have a dream and you're like, that was so bizarre. Sometimes dreams have seven different things coming all together at once and you're like, what in the world was going on there? And somebody once said, our dreams are projections of subconscious fears Sometimes we have dreams where we fall. You ever had a dream where you fall? You're like, ah! And then you wake up. (gasps) Man. Sometimes I just say, I'm glad that was a dream. And then there's other dreams that you have. You're like, oh, darn. Why did I wake up right there? I wanted to see what was going to happen. I was playing for the Dodgers. Shortstop batting third. My dream? (laughs) Well, Pharaoh had a dream. And behold, he was standing by the Nile. Now, the Pharaoh was the top man in Egypt. He was probably the most powerful leader in all the world at the time. But, you know, even though the Egyptians said that the Pharaoh was a god, 
Uh, he was no God. He was a man. And Pharaoh had a dream, and this is what's going to connect now Joseph and his whole situation to what's going on in terms of uh, the big picture. Pharaoh's dream will catapult Joseph. Pharaoh had a dream, and behold, he was standing by the Nile. It was not unusual for the Pharaoh to be standing by the Nile, by the way. If you study the book of Exodus, you find out that the Pharaoh regularly went down to the waters of the Nile. Some believe that he went down to the waters of the Nile to pray or connect with the God or to bless the waters or to get a blessing from the Nile God. If you do a little homework on the Nile River, it's quite interesting. The Nile is an extremely long river and it covers a lot of territory. And it is something that um, in the ancient world, uh, I was reading a commentary on Exodus as we go through Exodus on Thursday mornings and the Egyptians used to gather at the Nile and they would sing hymns to the Nile River. And they, they would gather together and sing tombs to the Nile, or tunes to the Nile, <laughs> tombs, that's probably fitting as well. But anyway, and so the, the, the Pharaoh would come down to these waters regularly. It's at the waters of the, of the Nile that Moses is discovered by the Egyptian uh, daughter of the Pharaoh, and he's rescued from the waters. And so here is this dream. So he's dreaming something that probably wouldn't be unusual for him. And Exodus 7.15 says that Moses met Pharaoh at the waters. God said to him, go to Pharaoh in the morning as he is going out to the water and station yourself to meet him on the bank of the Nile. And you shall take in your hand the staff that was turned into a serpent. So apparently Pharaoh habitually went to the river for washing or for blessing or some religious rite. Three times in the book of Exodus, Moses meets the Pharaoh by the Nile River. Exodus 7.15, if you're interested, 8.20 and 9.13. The Nile was honored by the Egyptians as their supreme deity. Pharaoh went out to the waters to bathe and to be empowered. Pharaoh's bath in the Nile was a sacred Egyptian rite, says one writer, connected to Pharaoh's claim of divinity. Because the Nile was so essential to the life and prosperity of Egypt, it was personified as a god called either Happy or Hoppy. Yes, it's true. H-A-P-I or H-O-P-I. And the frog plague, uh, the frogs seem to be connected also to this god, Hoppy. And somehow that is very fitting, isn't it? And if John the Beloved would hear, was here, we'd have him do a rivet sound right now because he's really good at it, <laughs> but he's not. So he was coming down. Now, remember when God brought the, uh, the plagues on Egypt, he brought a plague on the Nile and he turned the Nile to what? To blood. And it was as if God was saying, your God that you trust in so much has just been killed. I killed him. He just turned into blood. All 10 plagues were against the false gods and goddesses of Egypt. And lo, as the dream continues from the Nile, verse 2, there came up seven cows, sleek and fat, and they grazed in the marsh grass. Now, if you look at pictures of the Nile, you can even see cows there today. And the cows can be grazing by the side of the river. And sometimes they're a little bit submerged to get relief from the warm weather or even to escape the flies. And so again, this would be not an unusual thing that Pharaoh might dream about because he was always there. But what he sees is he sees seven cows. The number is interesting. 
seven cows uh, in Pharaoh's dream, and they're emerging in some way from the river. Cows were also commonplace in Egypt, and these seven cows are described as sleek and fat. If you have an ESV, it calls them attractive and plump, and all God's people said, amen. The New King James calls them fine-looking and fat, and the King James, the old King James, calls them well-favored kine and fat-fleshed. So there you go. Since the King James was written in 1611, I think we can excuse the fact that it was put that way. Then behold, seven other cows, Pharaoh's dreaming, came up after them from the Nile, and these were ugly and gaunt, and they stood by the other cows on the bank of the Nile. So here's Pharaoh's dream, and there's cows everywhere. The second seven cows came up, and I think this is where the children's song came from. Old McPharaoh had a farm, (laughs) E-I-E-I-O. And on that farm, he had seven cows. Actually, I think the word on the streets is he didn't have a farm. He was actually in denial. (laughs) So there you go. Yeah. Uh, Never mind. (laughs) Never mind. We move on. Hey, folks, this is Pastor Michael Lance, and this is Living Truth Radio, and we'll be back to the teaching in a moment. I want to tell you about a special offer that we have available at Living Truth Radio. It's a book that I've written called Suit Up, Putting on the Full Armor of God. It's all about spiritual warfare. It's all about how to overcome temptation, the world, the flesh, and the devil. And it's a special offer. Go to our website, livingtruthradio.org. Click on the donate button. And for any donation, we will send you a copy of that book. Just let us know in the contact form that you'd like a copy of that book. And now, back to the teaching. The seven cows were thin, ugly and thin. The King James, old King James, calls them lean-fleshed. So you have the fat ones and the lean ones. You could call the first seven healthy, the second seven unhealthy, but then something weird happens. Verse 4, the ugly and gaunt cows, or thin ones, ate up the seven sleek and fat cows, and then Pharaoh awoke. Now, the language here is interesting because the language in the Hebrew means that the thin cows, almost skeletal-looking, all of a sudden went, (laughs) and they started dismembering and chewing up the fat ones, and in things contrary to nature and everything else that seems to be normal, the thin, weak, ugly-looking ones became like cannibal cows. And they were like, and Pharaoh's like, no, this is weird. And the thin ones ate up the fat ones. And suddenly Pharaoh awoke and went, yikes. Have you ever awoke from a dream and you were just like right on the edge of reality in the dream world one time? One of my boys had a dream and he came running down the hallway and jumped on top of me. He was so frightened. He's like, ah! And then I woke up and I was like, ah! (laughs) Anyway. And then as often happens, you know, he saw this weird thing happen and then he fell asleep and dreamed a second time. Sometimes if I have a scary dream, I kind of like, okay, I got to change the subject here. (laughs) 
<laughs> because I don't want to go back to, you ever have the dreams like, I don't want to go back to sleep right now. Those scary cows in there. <laughs> Lord, I'm going to try to think of something else. And he fell asleep and dreamed a second time. And behold, seven ears of grain came up on a single stalk, and they were plump and good. And behold, seven ears thin and scorched by the east wind sprouted up after them. And the thin ears swallowed up the seven plump and full ears. I don't know if this is like children of the corn or <laughs> what's going on here. But anyway, I don't know what it looked like. But anyway, the, the thin ones again get the plump ones. And they, the seven plump ones, they got swallowed up. And Pharaoh awoke, and behold, it was his dream. And Pharaoh was, you know, he was freaked out. And remember, I told you that in Egyptian thought, uh, they believed that the dream world was a real world. It was a, another world, but it had reality to it. And since the Pharaoh was supposed to be some sort of God, they said he lived on the edges of both worlds or he lived kind of in these realms. And so he's had a, kind of a two-part nightmare here. And God's going to use it. Now it came about in the morning that his spirit was troubled, Pharaoh's was. So he sent and called for the magicians of Egypt and all its wise men. They came in their pajamas, apparently. And Pharaoh told them his dreams, but there was no one who could interpret them to Pharaoh. Now, Pharaoh was rocked by his dreams, and they had striking similarities, and they were weird, and they had some sort of portent or pretense of the future, or however you want to say it. it was, he, he saw some message in there, and so he quickly wanted to know. Put the coffee on, boys. We're going to talk about the dreams I had last night, right? So all the magicians and all the so-called wise men come in, and they can't interpret the dream. Now, do the dreams seem that complicated? Don't you think that someone at the breakfast table, as they pass the cinnamon rolls around, would have said, all right, Pharaoh, here's what I think your dream means. The, the crazy cannibal cows are this. The wicked ears of grain are this. Okay? Okay. But I don't know. I don't know if anybody ventured a guess. I don't know if anybody just tried to sell what they had to say. Or as one writer put it, maybe some of them were afraid of what the meaning might be and that he would take it as bad news. You know, there's another author I was reading this week who said that maybe God just caused their mind to blank because when you look at the dream and you see what's going on here, you could think that they could come up with some sort of interpretation. This is not like Nebuchadnezzar's dream where he told the wise men, I'm not going to tell you the dream. You're going to tell me what I dreamt and what it means. And the wise men were like, come on, Nebby. Nobody's ever been asked. None of the wise guys have ever been asked to do something like this. This is too hard. Well, here you have cows and grain swallowed up. Sevens. Come on. I mean, you would think these guys who are professionals would know. And the frantic Pharaoh was dumbfounded. The wise men around him were dumbfounded. And the cupbearer decided, ah, I've got an idea. So the chief cupbearer spoke to the Pharaoh, verse 9, and he said, I would make mention today of my own offenses. Now, I think it's the NIV or ESV. It says, I remember my offenses today. 
Now, this may be a way of humbly entering into the conversation as he was watching from the side. This could be a way of saying he remembers his offenses against or including Joseph. Because two years before, he had said to Joseph, I will not forget you. I will remember you. But now, he sees a convenient moment, and uh, he decides that he'll tread carefully, but now he remembers Joseph, apparently when it's convenient for him. Have you ever noticed that people tend to do that when it works for them? So Pharaoh was furious with his servants. Now the, the chief uh, cupbearer is talking. And he put me in confinement in the house of the captain of the bodyguard, both me and the chief baker. As I read the way that this is put, I almost wonder if it's a different Pharaoh, but I'll, I'll just leave that to you. And we had a dream on the same night, and he and I, each of us, dreamed according to the interpretation of his own dream. Now, a Hebrew, Hebrew youth was with us there, a servant of the captain of the bodyguard, and we related them to him and interpreted our dreams for us. To each one he interpreted according to his own dream. And it came about that just as he had interpreted for us, so it happened. So he restored me in my office, but he hanged him. So... Uh, here's the quick uh, synopsis of what happened a couple of years ago, a couple of dreams. Both of the interpretations by the Hebrew young man came to pass. He leaves out some of the more unseemly details, like he was dejected, nobody, was will nobody could interpret his dreams, he was downtrodden. Joseph had to say, what's wrong, boys? He offered to interpret. Those little details are left out. We're pretty good at telling stories in our favor, aren't we? You won't believe how big that fish was. How big was it? Oh, yeah. Then Pharaoh sent and called for Joseph. So all of a sudden now, there's this young Hebrew guy, and he can interpret. So he called for Joseph, and they hurriedly brought him out of the dungeon, verse 14. And when he had shaved himself, which was the way that the Egyptians approached life, the Hebrews, of course, wore beards and with gruff, their facial hair. The Egyptians were clean-shaven, and he changed his clothes, and he came to Pharaoh. You want to talk about a sudden reversal of fortune? Staggering, right? Here you are in the dungeon. He's got some sort of leadership role, but this can't be the prettiest place to try to exist and live. And all of a sudden, word comes down, hey, the Pharaoh wants to see you. Get cleaned up. Here's some old spice. We're going to give you a little shower. And off to the Pharaoh you go. Now Joseph is right before one of the most powerful men in all the world with a God-given ability that the Pharaoh desperately needs. We can see moments in our lives like this, right? We, we get cleaned up, we get an opportunity, and then we have to ask ourselves a question. Will I act the same in the presence of the Pharaoh as I would act in the presence of a fellow prisoner? Would I give the same credit to God, to the Pharaoh, as I would to a fellow prisoner? Charles Colson writes a book, and he was talking about life in the White House. And he said when he would do tours of the White House, he would take people into various rooms, and they would be terribly impressed. And he said if he really wanted to impress them or really wanted to kind of just get them to melt to whatever their agenda was, he would take them to the Oval Office. And they would get special, you know, I think it was the gold, uh, what do you call it, the little cuffs when you get, whatever they're called, right? They would just spoil you. And he said he found that people would tend to melt and they would kind of change their tune in the Oval Office. 
And he said, never more so than religious people that walked in there. He said, they seemed to kind of just cave and, and melt. Well, that was not Joseph. And I pray that that's not you and me. I pray that whoever we're dealing with will be obviously people who are respectful to whatever office one holds, but we will never hold back truth or lack to give credit to our God and our Lord. And so here's Joseph, well-built, good-looking, clean-shaven, probably smells good. And he comes before the Pharaoh, and the Pharaoh quickly gets down to business. He said to Joseph, I've had a dream, but no one can interpret it, verse 15, and I've heard it said about you that when you hear a dream, you can interpret it. Joseph then answered Pharaoh, saying, Well, you've heard right, Pharaoh. Yes, it's true. Here's my business card. I've got a video out on YouTube of just how you do such a thing. You see, I've got it perfected now. No, he didn't do any of that, did he? Well, Pastor Michael, Genesis chapter 41, verse 1 tells us that between uh, chapter 40 and 41 now that there's been two full years that Joseph had interpreted dreams for a butler and a baker, and those dreams had come to fruition. But Joseph did also acknowledge that these sources of interpretation came from God. The butler also assured Joseph he would remember him. I'm not going to forget what you've done. But two full years have passed. Apparently, this man had forgotten, you know, what had happened. Yeah, because Oscar, we know how reliable people can be. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But the thing is, now let's talk about Joseph here. Two years after the fact, he he probably held on to that promise. I'm going to remember you. I'm going to spring you from this place. What could have gone through his heart and his head that nothing had changed? He was still in prison. Well, you know, you have that glimmer of hope, Oscar, that something is going to change and that, you know, God's worked through your life in Joseph's case to give uh, an accurate interpretation. And, you know, he had to be living in expectation that every time the door creaked or someone was entering in that he was going to be told, you know, you're out, you're set free. And it didn't happen. And day after day passed into week after week. And, you know, um, it's easy to get into a point of despair when your expectations are not met. And so we can create a whole scenario in our minds. And then we start asking some spiritual questions Mm -hmm. like, well, where is God in Mm -hmm. all of this? And we know God has his reasons for all of this timing, but we know the end of the story Joseph doesn't at this point. And so I think uh, we have to really tip our hat to this man of faith, and he's still a very young man at this point. He is a man of faith because he could have easily, like you said, lost his faith, lost his trust in God, but he still held on to it as we see later on in this chapter. Thank you for listening to today's program. If you'd like to listen to this message again, learn more about our church in Corona, or to access archived messages, go to livingtruthradio.org and click on the church tab. You can follow us on Instagram at Living Truth Corona or download the Living Truth Christian Fellowship app on Apple and Android devices. Living Truth Radio is a listener-supported ministry. You can partner with us by donating at livingtruthradio.org.